have to tell you, it's, um, it's been great to be here with you all this morning and to worship with you. I appreciate that you've all stopped by to worship with us here, but, well, now it's time to go. Before you go this morning, nobody get up. But before you go this morning, I want to share one last thing with you about the secrets of mercy and grace. And the secret is, we need to stop and go with mercy and grace. This morning, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 4. So go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. As you're turning to Hebrews chapter 4, I want to explain to you how some of our basic traffic devices work here in Huntsville. I want you to consider this as a refresher course in driver's ed. We're going to start with our neighbor just here on the corner, the traffic circle or the roundabout. Now, the traffic circle, as I like to call it, is designed in such a way that traffic, believe it or not, should never ever come to a complete stop in any direction. That's why it's a circle, not a stop sign, a four-way stop. It was created so that that things will just flow. And if you're, just so you know this, because I don't think everybody does, and if I tell you and you tell others, everybody will understand. If you're turning immediately to the right, on heading into the traffic circle from any direction, and you're making an immediate right-hand turn, that is supposed to be a continuous flow of traffic. You should not have to stop there. Almost like a ballet on four wheels, if you will. Everybody just turning and turning. And it doesn't matter which direction, but if you're turning right, now you'll have to slow down. You can't take that turn at like 60, but nice and smooth, beautiful, like art. Now, if you're trying, let's say, to go straight through the traffic circle, which on Monday mornings we see many times that people have done that, just... There's a bumper or a bent-over sign. (laughs) If you really want to go to another exit, as my GPS calls it, you have to yield to the traffic that's actually in the circle. See, Because you you come in and you go around to where you want to get out. The problem is that even when someone arrives at that traffic circle exit, they always seem to drift into that far-right lane that should be for our continuous-moving traffic, and somebody has to stop. The dance is over. Shame. People tend to think that the two lanes are there to help them as they overcompensate for their speed and they just tend to drift into that right lane honking and yelling at the person who, by the way, is in the right and turning right in their continuous right lane. Now, the problem with the traffic circle can be summed up really by one word. Close. (laughs) So close. It's it's even spelt somewhat the same. Yield. Yield. The word is yield. You see that that little sign there? And it says yield. This word means to proceed with caution. Once you yield properly, you can go on with confidence. The yield is to, is to the people driving, you know, in that traffic. And, and so we have to pay attention to that sign. But I come to find out the other day watching as some of the traffic was trying to navigate through the traffic circle, the roundabout, it dawned on me. This was like an epiphany. It didn't hurt either. It came to me. Yield is to driving and traffic what accountability is to Christians. No one likes accountability. No one likes the word yield either. Nobody likes to yield. 
In the world of traffic, yield translates into an action on my part. I should slow down long enough to see, to safely look, to see if anyone is coming. If they are, I should pause, I should yield, and let them pass. You see, we often look at yield and we think to ourselves, I'll take that challenge. (laughs) Yield means that when we see that, speed up. All I have to do is get out in front of that guy. I'll make him yield to me. No, if the sign is for you, you yield to others. We don't always do that. We just think, go faster. Now, little basics about the traffic circle. What about our friend, the traffic light? It's a simple thing. We take it for granted, I think. We know what the three colors mean. Say it with me. Red means? Green means? Yellow means? (laughs) Some of you were so close. So close. It means... It means proceed with caution. I guess now all we have to do is figure out what traffic lights and roundabouts have to do with mercy and grace. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you that we can just take evidence from your word and apply it to our lives. Lord, as we open up your word at Hebrews 4, I pray that we will come to understand how we need to stop, how we need to proceed with caution, how we need to go with confidence, especially in the, the understanding of mercy and grace. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We're going to start out with Hebrews chapter 4. The NIV here, um, in the NIV, there's a heading that actually says, A Sabbath Rest for the People of God. And it goes like this. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith with those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said, So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Verse 10, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Red light. Remember that game you used to play as a kid? Red light. Green light. Red light. Every once in a while they throw in yellow light just to mess everybody up. The fast kids. Kids were running, yellow light, and then they'd trip. And <laughs> Stop. Rest. Pause for a moment. That's part of the reason we are here today. 
to rest in the Lord. Today, as you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. This is the time during our worship that we are to be still so we can hear what God is saying to us through his word. I love what verse 10 says here. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Now, there's an ongoing joke in ministry that says goes something like this. It's always directed at the staff of a church. I don't know why it's not fair. You only work one day a week. Must be nice. I want to tell you. (laughs) Yeah, that is not the case. (laughs) There is a lot going on during the week. You may think you don't see us. We may not be in the office, but don't think for a minute that we're just out on the golf course. And in case you're wondering, I sold my golf clubs like four years ago. All right? Mainly because I was no good. The reality is, in our world of things like electricity, none of us rest like we should. Even in ministry, we work 40 plus hours a week. We may not be right here in this building, but we're in hospitals. We're at your home. We're at your school. We're sometimes at your work. Sometimes we're just eating tater tots with you, but that's okay. That's ministry. See? That's it. Tater tots for God. New ministry at Huntsville Christian Church. (laughs) The reality is, we may work well, and we play well, but we don't rest well. You ever come back from what should have been a vacation and go, man, I am wore out. You did too much. You need a vacation from your vacation. We've been there. We don't rest well. We don't, we don't take care of ourselves. We don't stop and rest and spend time with God. You'll find out a few things when you do that. When you'll find out that your spiritual health will slowly begin to dwindle when you're not stopping to spend time with God. One of the first things to go when this happens is our ability, or maybe it's our willingness, to actually offer mercy and grace. What Parents, when you're tired... What's the first thing that goes? Patience. (laughs) Your kid can do the same exact thing every day. But on that day where you didn't sleep well and you're super tired, all of a sudden it annoys you. It is no longer cute when they do that. And then we we lose the mercy. And that's when our kids get in trouble. Why are you doing that? It was fine yesterday. I wasn't tired yesterday. Knock it off. Oh, there went mercy and grace. You see, when we don't rest, when we don't stop and spend time with God, our spiritual health begins to dwindle. Our ability to share mercy and grace begin to not, have, not, not, not happen as quickly. But before we can go with mercy and grace, we need to stop. Just as Scripture said, we need to enter into God's rest. And when we do this, we will rest from our works as well. I want to challenge you this month. Try to take one day. One day this month and spend it as a true Sabbath. That doesn't mean you get to skip church, but maybe it means that on a Sunday after worship, you spend the rest of the day resting in God. And all the men said, amen. I don't have to do the honeydew list. You have to do that on a different day, but spend your day resting in God. I think that when we do this, you'll see a difference. And then we spend a day resting, reading his word, praying. And when you do this, pray long and hard. Pray specific prayers during this time. 
Pray for your family by name, not just your husband or your wife, but your family, your extended family. Pray for your church family. Pray for your co-workers. Pray for your neighbors. Stop and rest in the Lord. Try and make it a priority just one day this month. Now, don't go in tomorrow and tell your boss, my preacher said I need to rest in the Lord, so I'm going to sit right here and read my Bible and pray for you all day. That may not go over well. But think about how sometime this month you can take a day and really rest in the Lord. Let's look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And their example are the people that I read about earlier in this chapter. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Yellow light. Caution. If what I just read is true, we need to proceed with caution in areas of mercy and grace. We need to proceed with caution in whether we choose to offer mercy and grace or not. By the way, this word right here behind me is the Greek word for mercy or for grace. I mean, Um, and we need to proceed with caution. Proceeding with caution can also be said this way. Pray without ceasing. When something comes up at work, pray. When something comes up at school, pray. When something comes up in life that you didn't plan for, pray. Pray about it. Proceed with caution. Don't just jump head first in with emotion and what you think your rights are or, or what you think you deserve or your reactions. Pray. If you're praying about these things, about your actions or what could be your reactions to something that's happened, you're more likely to make every effort to enter into this rest with the Lord. And when we do this, we will see the true power of his word that I've just read to you. God's word is alive. Sharper. There it is. For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. That's a double-edged sword, in case you didn't know. I I didn't have one at home. My probation officer took it away, but I got this one at a flea market. (laughs) I really don't have a probation officer. And I don't carry this around in public. But I just wanted to give you a little example. This is pretty sharp. I was going to do some Gallagher-type stuff and hack a watermelon and cantaloupe, but the elders said, no, it makes too much of a mess. But God's word is sharper than that. To, what's it say? Will penetrate, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Nothing you do is hidden from God's word. It will separate you. It's sharp enough to do that when we stop and spend time in it and pay attention to what it says. Here's the thing, too. I'm going to put that down so I don't hurt myself. Nothing is hidden from God. 
Nothing you do, nothing I do, nothing you've done, nothing I've done is hidden from God. And yet he still chooses to offer us mercy and grace. Knowing what we have done, knowing that we will do it again, he still chooses to offer us mercy and grace. And it's that same mercy and grace that we withhold from other people. We need to understand about mercy and grace is they have very little to do with emotion and everything to do with action. When we balance mercy and grace against God's word, you will find that nothing is hidden from God's sight. His word will divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow, showing us that we must give account for our lives and the way that we live them as a reflection of him. How will you respond to God when he asks you, how you showed mercy and grace to others. Sometimes we need to proceed with caution. We need to set aside our emotions so that we can act with mercy and grace. Trust me, I know this can be hard. I have driven the traffic circle. It's not easy. But we've got the best example ever in how we should treat others and what kind of a reflection we should be when it comes to mercy and grace. Hebrews chapter four, or same chapter, Hebrews four, verse 14 tells us about Jesus, the high priest. He says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Green light, go. Verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. In this knowledge, let that be our green light. In this knowledge, we can go into any situation having already made up our minds that we will stop and go with mercy. Every day, we need to stop and spend adequate time in God's word and prayer. If we do this, as things come at us through the day, we'll have the wisdom, we'll have the discernment to know if we should boldly go or if we should proceed with caution or if we should just stand still for a little bit longer. In doing this, you'll find it's easier to move away from the emotional aspect and deliver the action of mercy and grace instead of revenge or trying to justify something. We have to allow God's word to divide and judge the situation as we stop to spend time with God and then we can proceed with caution concerning the things that show up in our day. We can pray about the unexpected. You will find that it's so much easier to go with Jesus and it's so much easier to offer mercy and grace when we do those things. Verse 16 says this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This verse for me brings back to mind what I said about the traffic circle, about yielding to others, about, you know, we go around and around in our world. If we yield to the word of the Lord, And to the leading of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may indeed receive mercy and find the grace to help us in our time of need.
I don't know what your need is at this moment. I don't know what area of your life you need some grace or who you may need to extend grace or mercy to. But I do know this. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Even those who have confessed His name, who have been baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, even those who are mature in the faith, even those who are young in the faith, we have all fallen short of God's glory. We fall short, it's my opinion, I think we fall short because we try to stuff a week's worth of mistakes into a one-hour bag of worship and praise and offering and communion and and forgiveness, and we think we're good to go. We spend our week doing what we want. And it's not necessarily that you're doing bad things, but maybe you're not spending it with God like you should. And we make those mistakes, and we stumble around, and then we show up, and we take all the stuff we did for the week, and we we just kind of stuff it into this one-hour bag of worship. Verse 13, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of of him to whom we must give an account. You know, when I say that we need to stop and go with mercy and grace, I hope you understand there are several steps in between stop and go. Sometimes we need to just be still for a little while longer. Hold, hold that email before you hit the send button for another 24 hours. Don't respond to that comment on Instagram or social media so quickly. Sometimes we need to just proceed with caution. We, sometimes we're so eager to, to show that we were right to begin with, and that may be the case, but we forget that in proving our rightness, we're going to crush someone else. We need to move forward with caution. We need to stop and go with mercy and grace. We need to recognize the steps along the way. As we come to our response time this morning, you've heard God's word. I hope you'll, you'll go back this week and you'll spend some time reading Hebrews chapter 4. You've heard his voice. Do not harden your hearts. It's not my voice you're listening for. It's God's word. Whatever you need to do to respond to God's word this morning, here's your opportunity to respond and ask your brothers and sisters around you to be accountable with how you respond. Maybe you need to just take a moment and pray with the elders about how you can begin to stop and go with mercy, how you can be a better reflection of Christ in that way. They'd love to pray with you. They'd love to talk with you. Maybe your response is a first-time decision for baptism. The baptistry is ready. Whatever your response is this morning, will you stand and sing with us? Respond to God's word accordingly and consider how you can stop and go with mercy. For real this time. It's been great to be here to worship with you all. But now it is time to to go. As you go this week, go with confidence, offering mercy and grace where it's needed so that we may receive mercy and find grace, knowing that our God will help us in our time of need. Stop and go with mercy. Will you read 2 Corinthians 13, 14 with me as we prepare to go with mercy and grace. 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Will you sing this last song with us?